Live wires on the team. Connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. Dirty Fitty here on the ones and twos, taking you through another edition of the Live Wire. I like Dirty Fitty. Yeah, Dirty Fitty. I is... do too. You kind of like it too, don't you? Yeah, yeah I know you do. You're welcome. <laughs> um, it's a good wrestling name too, Dirty Fitty. As you know, North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer Steve Smith joins the Kyle Bailey Show every Monday, and he was on with KB yesterday, and he talked about how much different the Panthers offense looks with new old offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. That's accurate because Frank Wright's offense is not built on RPO game. Tell me a time where RPO game has been implemented in Frank Wright's offense and that's when you know. That's not who he is. That's never who he's been. Um, You know, because part of it is, you know, his age. He's an old head. And with that being old head, he doesn't, you know, he his offense has never been that. They haven't been that, and 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 that's one of the reasons that you know he ran into some issues here when he when he was a, a, a the offense coordinator and the head coach. Uh, did y'all watch Sunday Night Football with the volume on the other night just just by chance? I did. I think I did. Is there something you're referencing? Well, because they were talking about the RPO game that you were seeing used by Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. And Chris Collinsworth said that Frank Reich was one of the more innovative guys in the RPO passing game when he was with Philadelphia, guiding that offense to the Super Bowl. And then Steve Smith come back and says that was never a part of his offense because of the era of offensive football that he grew up playing in and coaching in. So I guess Chris Collinsworth was lying on national TV, which, you know, when you have to rely on pro football focus for all your analysis, we shouldn't be too uh, surprised <laughs> by that. But have you guys noticed any big differences since Thomas Brown has submitted himself as the play caller since Reich's firing? Well, one thing I will say was that Sunday was some of the plays because like, for instance, one of the first Take Tuesday plays that I was going to, a second Take Tuesday plays that I was going to bring into the fold was uh, when they did the fake handoff uh, coming on the sweep, I believe it was, and then they threw it underneath to Miles Sanders. Like, there were four or five plays where they definitely instituted some not-so-run-of-the-mill play action. And so I think that Thomas Brown was definitely uh, just empty in the clip, so to speak, on Sunday. And I, and I did like that. Well, and, and I go back to, I think it was Kyle talking about this, how there were suggestions to Frank Reich about running more RPO because it was what Bryce Young was comfortable with in college. But also, like, I feel like we did see it every now and then. And then even Steven Ruiz, before we got to the month of December and Thomas Brown took over again as the offensive play caller, the Panthers had called 86 RPOs, according to PFF, and that ranked 13th in the league. So it doesn't mean that Frank Reich just wasn't doing it at all. Perhaps there was a suggestion for him to continue to do it and maybe even more so. But even above average, if you want to get technical with it, with him having that at the 13th best clip or the 13th highest clip in the NFL. 
and we do know about Philadelphia. How, how many times have we talked about RPO when it was Carson Wentz mm-hmm. up there when Frank Reich was a part of that offense? It just didn't happen as much as maybe David Tepper, whoever wanted Bryce Young to be a little more comfortable. I guess that was the issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess Thomas Brown is being a little more innovative. I think we are seeing Bryce under center more. We are seeing Amir Smith-Marset on the field more. We are seeing different things, and I do like that. The, the RPO stuff... I feel like that kind of, I don't know if that got stretched way too much as the ultimate problem with what Frank Reich was and wasn't doing here, mm-hmm. because it certainly was still a part of the game plan. Maybe it just wasn't as much as other people would have liked. And the last thing I'll say really quickly is too, is some of those innovations that, that, that you're bringing in, we talked about it earlier, talking about ISM, that helps the offensive line. Because guys, like I said, they have to take that that split second to really make decisions when you're bringing a lot to them visually. And so that's why I said I, I really like some of the things that Thomas Brown did on Sunday. Hey, uh, Davey, you need to implement that run RPO into the offense, okay? And I think that that's means, how he would say it, too, uh, the run RPO, yeah. Run, pass, option, Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that would have gone over well. Maybe that's when Frank Reich says no, and then he said, all right, you're fired. <laughs> one, <That> was- <laughs> more, <laughs> one more piece of Steve Smith's sound. I want to play from you with his interview yesterday with KB. He made the case for uh, Jero Averro to be the defensive coordinator next year, no matter who Dave Tepper hires that head coach. I hope he is not making himself a case for a head coach anywhere because I think allow him to stay with whatever head coach that comes in because imagine how better he will be with some more guys that he prefers that plays in that style of traditional 3-4, not hybrid 3-4 defense that he plays. Get some depth at corner that guys who, in case the other guys go down, I don't know what they're going to do with safety. You don't, Not sure what they're going to do with chance. What happens if they get another pass rusher that can be with Burns? I guess the question here, uh, guys, is is would, do you think Ajero Vera would stay on as a defensive coordinator if he gets passed over for the head coaching vacancy? Yeah, I think so because I think he understands that it's not quite his time. I don't think – I think he would go to another team if he got offered to be the head coach, but I think he also knows like it's hard to hire a head coach from a losing program. Like you really need to have all of the the, the glitz and glamour behind you when you come. But I agree with Smitty as far as he's done a great job, and this team barely gets sacks. They rank near the bottom of the league in sacks per game. They're only averaging like one, and. Once he gets the passwords to go with this, where they're getting home on a consistent basis and are putting the quarterback on the ground with the ball in his hands on a consistent basis, I mean, that's impressive to have a top three total defense and you don't get sacked. This actually becomes pretty complicated for me because this entire messaging, especially post-athletic article from Joe Person and Diana Rossini, is all, I don't want David Tepper to control who the head coach is going to hire a part of their staff. Because if that's the message from David Tepper the first time, it's why it didn't go so well. In part, it's why it didn't go so well with Frank Reich as the head coach. But if he was strongly suggesting that Ajero Averro be the defensive coordinator, David Tepper got that decision right. If Averro is that guy, if he decided to throw all the money that he did towards the defensive coordinator in order to keep him away from Minnesota, keep him away from other job openings out there because he was coveted. And David Tepper threw him the bag, kept him here. 
I guess when we try to say something nice, that could have been a draft pick yesterday. We could have drafted David Tepper making the right choice and strongly advising Averro to be the defensive coordinator. I also don't want, just as a general rule, for David Tepper to suggest to the head coach, this is who I want and this is who you have to hire if you're going to be the head coach. Does Averro want this job? That's a different question. You said you think he would take it. I don't know. I, I think Averro might just leave after this season because there's still a lot of things you got to take care of. What does the Brian Burns situation look like? Now you got to allocate resources to keep Derek Brown, keep Frankie Louvu. You're hoping to bring Shaq Thompson back, but Shaq Thompson is also older within this team. J.C. Horn is also unavailable a lot of the time. I'm hoping that he can stave off injury going forward. And the only thing I think for me that would keep him aboard is you still are under this contract. And so you're still getting paid quite a bit of money. So maybe that would be the reason that he stays. We know that money talks and it at least gives you an opportunity. But he's so coveted. Wes, this is somebody that was in a lot of circles last year as potentially being a head coach. Maybe this is the time with as many openings as we've seen in a while. Maybe this is the time he actually leaves. I think that all makes it very complicated for me to try to figure out if he would want to stay here. If I want Tepper to force the head coach's hand in keeping him around, even if he has a different philosophy, it's all hard for me to make sense but i will say avero clearly has done a really good job and you can't be mad at him staying on board another year for a defensive coordinator spot yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. all right guys well the bowl season is well underway that means these head coaches will be back behind the microphone and chip kelly uh took his pre-bowl game availability to go on a long monologue about how to fix college football and he believes that a mid-conference realignment Football conferences should be separate from the other conferences from other sports. And I think football should be separate from the other sports. Just the fact that our school is leaving to go to the Big Ten in football, our our softball team should be playing Arizona in softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona in basketball. But because football left, and they say, well, how do you do that? Well, Notre Dame's independent in football, and they're in a conference and everything else. I think we should all be independent in football. And you can have a 64-team conference that's in the power five and you can have a 64 team conference in the group of five and we separate and we play each other you can have the west coast teams and then every year we play seven games against the west coast teams and then we play the east so we play syracuse boston college pitt west virginia virginia then the next year you play against the south while you still play your seven teams you can play a seven game schedule you can play four against another conference another division opponent and you can always play against one mountain west team every year so that we can still keep those rivalries going wes uh, you know we've heard a lot of different theories plans ways to save college football amid all the realignment that we're seeing um in the sport what do you think of that plan is it feasible and is it something that as a college football junkie would you be open and interested to if the sport went down that path? Yes, sir, all day long. I think Chip Kelly hit it out the park uh, with this plan, having these conferences and then playing against the different regions and things of that nature. And then he went on to say how you could have a different company sponsor at Nike or whoever you want to do, PlayStation, whatever the case may be. Then he said the schools could pay the players directly. You get rid of NIL. You could figure out a, a better transfer portal model. And I think my thing is at the end of the day, I like you said, Fiddy, with junkies for this sport, I want great games week in and week out. And I think that's what we would get. A 64-team Power 5 conference, you're getting 
phenomenal matchups every single week. I would be like you, Fitty. I wouldn't leave the house during college football season. We get that. <laughs> I mean, from noon till 3 in the morning, I would be sitting right in front of my TV and, and doing my workouts or whatever I'm going to do that Saturday. I'm not leaving. I'd be like Jordan Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street. I ain't leaving on Saturdays. You can forget about it. Yeah, so I'm reading an article where Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports are going back and forth, kind of talking about this idea. And the problem is that you could have a 64-team conference. That's the Power Five. You could have a 64-team conference where the group of five there, and then you separate it. They still play each other to different television contracts. Everybody shares an equal amount of the revenue. But this idea, you would have to try to tailor what it would mean financially as to not be in violation of federal law. And so if you did that, then that would be something like if you were to try to get this idea going forward, that would be something you have to try to figure out. But it does sound good in theory. I guess the only other thing is uh, I know that he talked about preserving the rivalries. Yeah. W- would you still preserve? Like, How much do you care about North Carolina playing Pittsburgh? How much do you care about North Carolina playing Syracuse? Or some of the other ACC schools that you wouldn't consider a rivalry. I mean, how big of a rivalry do you consider Clemson? Because Clemson is an old school ACC squad. They're mm-hmm. a, they're an OG type member. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't. I wouldn't consider Clemson what like the top three, four rivalry that the North Carolina Tar Heels have. How much do you care about that though? And would you still be able to do it? That would be my only thing with other some of these other schools. Like in. That would be my only question. How much would you still be able to preserve maybe the smaller rivalries? And how much do we even care? Is it even worth trying to preserve those? That would be my only question. I would guess you would probably leave it up to the ADs when they schedule to make sure that they take care of that on their respective schedules. And then how much of that would eat into your own conference, though, if football conferences were? Like, I just need to figure out what kind of divide you would have. But it does sound like a good idea in theory. Yeah especially with him bringing that up. You got anything else for us, Fiddy? No, I think it's just another example. College football has gotten to a point now. It needs it needs a commissioner. It, it, or it needs a group of body that's not the playoff and is not Fox, CBS, ESPN making decisions that impact what actually happens on the field as opposed to what happens off of it.